Back up, please. Hello and welcome to Indicast episode number 209. I'm your host Aditya and along with me I have Abhishek. Hello everyone. The 209 has been waiting to happen for a long long time and uh, for listeners Aditya did that in one take. He hasn't done that uh, line in about 8 months now. That's been the time since we last uh, released an Indicast. Since July, since I was doing my internship. Yeah, now you have a job. I'm still married, so there is no development there. It's just <laughs> status quo maintained there. I still have a job. I haven't been as sloppy in at workplace as we have been with Indicast. That's the irony. Things that we love are kept at the back burner. Blah blah blah. Priorities. We, Priorities. Yeah. Then you get married. Then you have kids. Then you get a job. Then you get promoted. Then you become. You start managing people, and which is always crazy. You're still doing Indicast? Is all the question people will ask. <laughs> yeah. That's it. You're still there. You haven't really done much all these years. You're just doing Indicast. <laughs> let's amend that. Let's let's get started with this one. Yes. So let's let's talk about the set of 20 smart cities that were announced recently by the Urban Development Minister Venkaiah Naidu. This is basically a list of 20 cities uh, that won the smart city challenge, and Bhubaneswar was ranked number one in that. Yeah, and when he announced this uh, to the press, uh, it was quite dramatic. He paused for a second and in his beautiful South Indian accent, he said something to the tune that he would not have guessed Bhuvaneshwar to be at the top. We haven't chosen this. Neither has the government or rather any of our bureaucrats. It's uh, an independent committee is what he said. And Bhuvaneshwar comes on top. Yeah, and the Smart City Challenge, there were two stages basically. So all state governments, and you remember this is part of Modi's whole agenda of having 100 smart cities and and we'll, we'll get into what a smart city is Ooh, there is a lot of fireworks peace and everything but, yeah. <laughs> oh sorry I, I thought that was celebration no, not so much no, no not really Com- coming back to this now the different stages uh, so all state governments were basically asked to shortlist potential cities first from which the government selected 98 cities and moved them to stage 2 in stage two, these candidates were then asked to submit a proposal. The proposals were evaluated by panels of experts, and there were evaluation criteria such as you know city's vision and strategy, cost effectiveness, and each parameter was assigned a weight, etc. A very very MBA-ish approach, very consulting. Yes, and the figures are also as big: uh, fifty thousand eight hundred and two crores uh, in twenty cities and towns over the next five years. That's what the government will uh, has pledged. Uh, again, this the smart city you mentioned. So, what what goes into it? These are when you read it, it's uh, the basics, meaning water supply, <laughs> electricity, sanitation, and the like. And and that hopefully your call will not get disconnected when you are on a flyover. So th- those things, we'll we'll get to know when's uh, Bhuvaneshwar, Pune. Pune is ranked second on that list. When we get to see some action in the next few years there. Yeah. So just going down the list. So Bhuvaneshwar is number one. Pune after that. Jaipur. Surat, Kochi, Ahmedabad, Jabalpur, Vishakhapatnam, uh, Solapur, Devangiri in Karnataka, NDMC, which is New Delhi Municipal Corporation, Coimbatore, Kakinada, Belagavi, Udaipur, Guwahati, Chennai, Ludhiana, Punjab, and in all these 20 cities, account for about 3.54 crore people. 
Yes, and these are the cream, right? Because they already are doing certain basics, right? For example, in Pune, if you, uh, this beaten down to death example of Magarpatta, uh, which is of 60,000 odd acres, and I think in 2008, they entered the Limca Book of Records for using the largest solar water heating system in India. They have some 8,000 odd, uh, you know, solar collectors. So that collects uh, about a million liters of water every day, and it saves up to 1.78 crore of uh, electricity units per year they've been doing this for the last decade like using street led street lights motion sensors for escalators and and things like these city was built by farmers when the land was allocated yeah this was basically a cooperative that all the farmers came together and they pooled their land masses and decided to build new things on it how much of this will uh, see action on the ground if there is a lack of intent from people as well the swachh bharat abhiyan is what we read on people throwing litter out in the open that continues even today uh, so for example i'll tell you what in 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 estonia back in 2008 uh, there was this uh, millionaire entrepreneur who created a digital map of all the litter that was created across the country now that's easy to do if you've got some tools like gps google maps and a few volunteers who can quickly click an image and post it and pin it but the harder job which was probably the easiest in that country was 50000 estonians in one day they turned out on the streets and collected 10000 tons of garbage in less than a day after they got this garbage map in place it's a combination of what your people will do for you once you have these technologies in place you know activation is a completely different different thing right it's holding the city governments more accountable to what their plans are and that is also how they are going to roll out the funds they are not going to give out all the funds in one go they are going to give some and then keep on having a progress check and if they see that it's being done in a proper way only then get the next installment yeah yeah and i think the real estate baron inside you must be no. talking about you know the, the rates the real estate rates that will skyrocket after this i guess in these places absolutely but this time there is a there is a good reason for that to happen right there is going to be infrastructurally something is going to change for the real estate prices to go up that's right it's not based on promises or castles in the air like an airport which was supposed to come in new mumbai never <laughs> came up yeah, that's right <laughs> similar schemes have been in the past if you recall there are these jnnurm uh, buses jawaharlal nehru urban road something something these schemes have been there in the past but they just gradually just dwindled away for for different reasons with large portion of projects being incomplete around 70% in some states were incomplete once they get the money will the cities be able to execute it well this talking about execution it's got nothing to do with smart cities but before we transition to the next one there in sri lanka back in 2013 some 30000 people were diagnosed with dengue one newspaper it tied up with a with an ad agency and started printing its paper with an ink that had a mosquito repellent in it Uh, oh. and the insight was most people read newspapers in the morning and in the evenings and that's that's when the mosquitoes strike it was a simple technology and they marketed it everywhere and the newspapers sold through the roof and fewer cases of dengue were reported a smart city need not always be hardcore it technology but you know things like these and if this comes from the government or uh, advises to the government who could be private agencies uh, and looking at modi's recent history if he puts some of this in action then we could see th- certain things like these come about or we hope that they would Oh and absolutely if you if you take a look at the plans that have been laid out by the cities all cities have included a PPP model a private public partnership model so if for example they say 
all our bus stops are going to have Wi-Fi. So it does not mean that the state is going to operate, is now going to start providing internet services for free. That just means we are going to tie up with Airtel or Vodafone or Reliance Geo or whoever to have Wi-Fi hotspot. One hour free and then something will be charged for. We'll find out lots of interest. Uh, last week, uh, the U.S. Deputy Secretary of Commerce, Bruce Andrews, he was on a five-day visit to India and he said, we will invest everywhere in all hundred cities. So <laughs> everybody's talking about it. Front page news, mint newspaper once in a week. This has been around for a while. We'll, we'll see how it pans out. Talk about cities, smart cities. Delhi is part of it. And, and I was visiting Delhi, by the way, when I was uh, in India in December. And I was there during the odd-even scheme was going on. And the reason we are talking about this is because, of course, Delhi has been is now undoubtedly world's most polluted city. There was a recent article in The Economist. It carried a picture of India Gate uh, early in the morning and the caption was, one day your children may be lucky enough to see it because there was all fog around it and the photo, you had to strain your eyes to see India Gate behind that fog. And when we are talking about pollution, it's quite deadly. Uh, and this is how the article starts. If a fine powder combining arsenic, black carbon, formal dehydrate, nickel, sulfur, dioxide and nitrogen oxide sounds unpleasant. Imagine how it would be if 200 tons of it were dumped on your town every day. And some of them are so tiny that, you know, when they get wedged in your lungs, you could you could well have life-threatening diseases. Or, or it reminds me of the time when I was in Mahesh Tutorials in 10 Standard would stand in the line in Thani Station for the bus and the bus driver would press on the gas for about, whatever, 15-20 seconds before he left. And then people around there would cover their mouths and there was this black smoke and they had nowhere to go. At that time, I would feel that those are the gaya life, ka, meaning if you're, if, if you're going to be standing for the rest of your life there. So that's Delhi every day. That's Delhi every day. And Delhi, so t- talking about the solution that they tried to come up with, I mean... How was it? What was the feedback? I mean, if you, if you were there during those days, what... So I was there for three days, talking to taxi drivers and other people out there. They said the traffic is definitely down. I left, you know, Noida, which did not have the, um, it did not have the audio scheme going on to the Delhi airport, which typically takes around two and a half hours if you're lucky during rush hour. And I got there in around, around an hour. What the taxi driver was talking about is it's not just the time that has, has reduced in terms of traveling. It has an impact on, of course, the fuel conservation, pollution, but also in how I go back to my home. I'm a lot more happier, he says, because since I'm less mentally stressed, I haven't had a fight on the road with someone. I go back and I'm happier. My family thinks that I'm happier when I get back in the last five days. Imagine we've screwed it up so much that even the breathable air is toxic. Today, earlier today, I read an article about people selling oxygen as a luxury item somewhere. <laughs> I don't know where, but yes, bottles being sold at 20 pounds as a luxury item, bottles of oxygen. Or, or, or tomorrow you might, we have these air purifiers anyway today, but yeah. it only recycles the existing air, but you might just have a product like oxygen chambers within the rooms uh, as, as products that are being sold tomorrow. Absolutely, right? Instead of having um, a radio cab, you might have an oxygen cab in which it's... <laughs> The driver ask you AC chahiye, oxygen chahiye. And so t- talking about the effectiveness of this whole audio and scheme idea to bring down the pollution is mixed results. There are people who are saying that it had an impact. Metro ridership increased by around 8%. The bus utilize, fleet use, utilization is supposed to have increased from 84% on normal days to 95%, blah, blah, blah. So all those things are there. But environmentally, did it have any impact? It says that the pollution actually jumped 57%, which is being blamed on the weather because it got colder. That's why the pollution did not dissipate. And hence, it sort of got blocked in the city itself. It didn't disperse. 
But I think I think this one city, Gurgaon, neighboring Delhi, again, it's as polluted, if not more. Every Sunday they have this uh, open streets. You must have read about it. Open yeah. streets was a Rahagiri day, is what they call it, the biggest one. So four kilometer radius in Gurgaon is car free. There are cycling lanes, yoga, Zumba. It's a whole different atmosphere. I was there for a couple of days there. So within half an hour, from six to six thirty in the morning, all the one fifty cycles get snapped up by old people. One, I met a seventy year old who who comes there every every week. Even car drivers now who participate in these on on Sundays they don't honk they are a little more careful and stuff like that and it's big turnout four thousand to five thousand people every Sunday whether it's uh, May or rains so people do turn up so it's a big success so it it can work talking about intent well that just goes to show that how much people are lacking open spaces right that even if they shut down a road which is is completely open for them they'll just yeah. go go to it otherwise think of it right why would you want to walk on a highway what's so special about it because there are no other places where you can go out for a free walk and enjoy a, an open space you bet in some places in thane you have bikes on the footpath and it's considered <laughs> it's a given so meaning it's it's like it's business it's like a business as it's part you know deal with it all right then so moving on to the next one next topic that we have let's move on to the sports section now and let's talk about the first grand slam of the year australian open just concluded sania and hingis won again the australian doubles yep and uh, it's been a while since this happened but but we just uh, i think sania mirza has a special has a special relationship with indicast remember what indicast tagline was that you wrote uh, back 10 years ago <laughs> because we had to just submit something to for a contest uh, maybe on itunes, iTunes yeah. yeah yeah and they wanted a one liner and it Indicast tagline, by the way, some people coming in new is we talk about everything from Sonia to Sania. <laughs> right, that's right. <laughs> It's nice little alliteration. Two ladies. Uh, yeah. One was in her prime, and the second one is still going. Uh, still uh, third Grand Slam in a row for uh, these two women, uh, Sania Mirza and Hingis. As a pair, twelfth Grand Slam women's double title for Hingis, and Mirza has just struck gold by teaming up with Hingis. Yes, in 2015 she won the Wimbledon and then the U.S. Open, and now this. Not just that, they have they have had 36 consecutive successful matches together between Wimbledon and U.S. Open championships. May they win even more. Even more, and yeah, absolutely. Moving on to the next one, Henry Worsley, who was who's who's a a retired army officer from the british army turned into explorer died attempting crossing the antarctic solo he was 30 miles away when he called it quits and then passed away later on in the hospital 30 miles he traveled 970 miles alone in antarctica going through several of those storms and winds and and whiteouts as they call it not blackouts and he was just 30 miles dude he hauled a sledge that uh, according to one news story weighed 148 kg that is twice his weight he did it for 71 days across 1469 kilometers of snow boulders ice crevasses temperatures which could have gone below 40 degrees celsius and uh, he also uh, had carried a cigar whiskey and turkey to celebrate christmas <laughs> at 8500 feet and why was he doing it he was doing it first of all because because he can Uh, yeah, because because thought, it's there sorry, you do, you, because <laughs> because it's there which is a typical thing that any climber says when they oh it's in, incidentally about. it's a cliche uh, george mallory had said it once why right. do you climb everest or yeah. uh, apart from that he was also trying to raise 100000 pounds for the wounded veterans in great britain 
so that was part of his goal is raise money and give it give it to him worsley was basically he got caught in a storm where he shed at least 50 pounds he lost a tooth after he tried biting a frozen energy bar had been alone without basic comforts for more than 2 months at this point and he hadn't moved in 2 days at that point and he, he had walked 970 miles in his uh, farewell message or in his, in the last message on the video blog that he maintained he said this uh, uh, when my hero his, his hero hero was ernest shackleton who attempted this uh, back in 1909 so it's inspiring stuff and in the end uh, he also says no one conquers the antarctic uh, it's always in charge if you are lucky it will allow you to achieve your goal and then let you get home safely you know there were many articles that spoke about the braveness is not actually to take up this challenge but the real brief decision comes when you have to say it's time to quit especially for this guy who was so close and for him to call call in the choppers it was a bit too late and he's 54 imagine to have been doing it at that age awesome awesome story. 55 sorry let's not end it on that note let's talk about the guy who cycled from india to europe in a true sharukh khan esque way on cycle going through afghanistan through up you know russia and then landing into into sweden i believe for for his love uh, and this uh, <laughs> article went viral on the bbc and other uh, other other news channels yeah this uh, this man pk mahanandia he met his love back in 1975 in true you know 70 mm style where she asked him to draw her portrait Uh, yeah. under a tree it cannot place in cannot place they fell in love uh, took him four months three weeks to ride on a second hand bike from new delhi to gothenburg in 1977 and and he he is now a pretty well known figure in in both countries he also serves under the swedish government he works as an advisor in art and culture he he studied art couldn't pay off the fee so he had to you know return home so he's got it's, it's i think somebody will make a movie out of this one for sure yeah i think so can you imagine somebody doing this today without being you know shot at or stopped at borders because back then life was easy i remember one of my former bosses uh, had backpacked europe with only a guitar and a few items and he would play and uh, woo somebody and the family would let him stay over at night break bread travel and he traveled europe back in the 70s so on on one hand we it's very difficult i think it's impossible today especially in europe with what's happening now agreed but then there was this story that again went viral about this family from bangalore who made a two month long road trip to europe i don't know the route that they took do you need to be lucky of course you need to be yes, lucky yes yes uh, all right so those were the topics that we had after an eight month wait for an episode yeah we would have been very rusty in this one so bear with us let's we are happy to be back and hope to do this more often did you notice that we didn't make any jokes we didn't make any fun you know fun of straight back rahul dravid let's back. not let's not nick this one now let's exactly. just get it out <laughs> and we have we have decided every tuesday we are going to record there we go we have jinxed it already yeah, we have jinxed it already <laughs> so hopefully hopefully, hopefully. We'll be back. Keep us going. Drop us email. Drop us messages. Tweet at us. Our Twitter handle is at Indicast. I won't ask for money right now, but at some point I will. So when I do, please reply. And email if you have anything to say. It is Indicast at theindicast dot com, and we will see what can be done. Yes. That's about it. Bye bye. Bye bye.